Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Fred Barnes of the Weekly Standard, just back from Australia and New Zealand. So, Fred, how did the didgeridoo lessons go while you were down there? Well, I heard some people playing them, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, mainly I was there to uh, go to a conference, uh, write a piece about the Australian election, which will be on September 7th, and just do some touring. And the election was particularly uh, interesting, the campaign. It's in many ways like American uh, campaigns, except voting is mandatory, uh, so you don't need to have a get-out-the-vote effort. You know, they brought in uh, the Liberal Party, which is uh, the Labor Party, brought in some of these Obama get-out-the-vote people, you know, with their great, uh, all all their data and everything. I don't think you need it, but anyway, they brought them in. The conservative's going to win. The conservative, of course, is the leader of the Liberal Party, capital L. It gets confusing. The Liberal Party's the conservative party, and (laughs) And they have a, uh, a, a terrific uh, candidate uh, who's the opposition leader in the parliament, Tony Abbott, who's uh, uh, very good on all the issues that you would identify as conservative in America. Uh, how would you compare their brand of conservatism to ours? Is it a libertarian tinge? Is it traditional classical oh, no. liberalism? No, no. Uh, no, no. I, I would call it Reaganite uh, to some extent, uh, although they... Uh, they talk about uh, reducing the size of government at the same time, and, and particularly this is true of Tony Abbott, who's going to be the next prime minister. He talks about shrinking government at the same time. He's talking about new expensive new programs that, that, that he's proposing. So they're a little uh, they're a little conflicted on that. But in terms of foreign policy, on immigration, uh, he takes a, uh, they take a more conservative stand on on immigration than I personally do. But uh, they've been at it a long time. There's some lessons there to learn from them. On immigration, but they, uh, uh, ex- except for the size of government and the idea that government can do things for the economy that the economy, if allowed to, can't do for itself, uh, they're right along the lines of Reaganite American conservatism. Uh, you mentioned it, so I want to ask you you saw uh, up close and personal a state where you're required to vote. Mm-hmm. Would you want to bring that to the United States based on what you saw and based on how the campaigns are waged there? Uh, no, I don't know about bringing it to the United States, but you know, uh, uh, liberals, I'm sure, would tell you. Well, uh, conservatives are against that because they think it would be, uh, it would mean that uh, the liberals and Democrats would win all the elections. I'm not so sure at all. I mean, you've seen, uh, Michael, those uh, uh, polls after elections where they poll the people who didn't vote. Mm-hmm. It's usually split pretty evenly. Uh, but you know, it's just, uh, and I'll tell you, the only uh, I just have a knee-jerk reaction to uh, forcing. Uh, people to do things that they could quite easily uh, choose whether to do or not uh, without harming anyone. So I guess I'd be against that kind of a, of a mandatory thing. Now, the less government requires uh, that's mandatory, the better. So the idyllic island of Australia, the island continent, have they avoided the problems of negative campaigning? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> negative campaigning is everywhere. And they, uh, I wouldn't say that they've uh, they're following uh, America on this, but they certainly uh, are doing the same things. Uh, and, the, and obviously the, the party that's uh, losing, and that the incumbent party for the last six years, the Labor Party, uh, and they're behind in the polls and so on, they, they're very negative. You know, they don't want their record to be uh, what the campaign's about, what the election's about. They want the, you know, they want to poison the well about uh, the other party, and that's what they're doing, and they're extremely negative. Um, you know, uh, Michael, you just can't get away from that in any place where there's a democratic election. <laughs> I remember the election in Iraq. Remember the one that that uh, Saddam Hussein got every vote. Yep. 
there you don't have negative campaigns. <laughs> but in democracy, well, well you, you do. do. They're very, very short. You announce, I don't support Saddam, and then you disappear into a basement. And that's the end of the campaign. <laughs> I want to ask you about the, uh, though, the, from the, the American view, you know, obviously there's a lot of foreign policy issues going on, and people are mm-hmm. wondering if the president's, uh, President Obama's attempt to reset our relation with the world has worked, and particularly right now in Syria, where the Syrians aren't backing down, the Russians are still backing them. A lot of people are starting to say maybe the reset didn't work. Maybe the world actually liked kind of a tough, strong America. What is the Australian view of America in general, and then in particular, the foreign policy approach of President Obama? Well, they do not take the approach uh, that we like a, a strong Australia, but a weak America. They want a strong America. They recognize that America is their ultimate uh, protector. Here they are, uh, uh, basically a European country of 23 million people, although it's getting, uh, because of immigration, much more Asian. Uh, they're alone in this, in, in this place where the Chinese have a, a billion and a half people, and uh, uh, they can really easily be overrun, and they worry about that. So they, uh, look, they depend, and it's bipartisan with the parties, they depend heavily on the strength of America. They're worried, but... Uh, but they are so uh, they don't uh, single out Obama. They're worried about Obama, but they won't identify that as being a part of their worry. So the, uh, the I guess to me it's interesting when you're uh, when you're around people who are less than friendly, and you've got China. Not that they're unfriendly, but you know China obviously is its own interest. It seems to me yep. that this would highlight the need for a strong America, and yet the conversation in the United States is about how can we stay out of Syria, away from Syria, not out of it, but just away from it. How can we stay away from getting involved abroad? And I just wonder if that message, are the, tip, are the people in Australia figuring out that that's the debate we're having here in the, having here in the United States? Yeah, uh, not so much. Look, they don't worry about, about what the U.S. does in the Middle East. Uh, they regard that, and, and I heard many of them talk about it, they regard that as a distraction. They remember that a year ago, uh, President Obama uh, talked about this pivot to the Pacific. Remember that? You know, the, this was going to be the Pacific century. And, uh, uh, and, of course, he said this, you know, you know how he pivots and pivots again <laughs> and then pivots again. They want him to pivot again to uh, this, uh, uh, the Pacific because that means there's going to be more emphasis and, and more security uh, for Australia. And they particularly sneered at the effort in uh, the Israeli-Palestinian uh, 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 thing. Uh, John right. Kerry, as Secretary of State, spending so much time on that, they thought it was frivolous. And wait a minute, I thought you were going to emphasize the Pacific, and there you are going back to something that is going to lead nowhere. And they thought it was a, an unnecessary distraction, and they may feel somewhat that way about Syria. But they look, they're concentrated on what on the uh, relationship with the United States as it affects the Pacific, and they want America to be concerned and pay attention to the Pacific and not get uh, uh, caught up in events in the Middle East, though I never heard anybody talk about Syria specifically. Uh, before I let you go, as you were just in Australia, New Zealand, two places that I would love to go. They're, on, they're the, the last of my list. I haven't been there yet, and I'm dying to go. Mm-hmm. If someone gets a chance to go over, what are a couple of places that you saw that you would say you absolutely have to be sure to check out? Oh, well, there's some great places, and we did all of them. Besides uh, uh, writing a couple pieces and, uh, and going to a conference, uh, w- my wife and I did a lot of tourist things. One of the things you have to go to is the Great Barrier Reef. And when you go and snorkel there and what you can see, it's just it's like no other place in the world. It is really, uh, uh, I would say that is mandatory. We went to New Zealand, and just driving around in New Zealand, it's one of the most beautiful countries I've ever seen. 
Michael, it's four and a half million people. I mean, the Boston area is bigger than exactly. that, uh, I think, and he had, so is the Washington area. But it's uh, uh, extraordinarily beautiful. And uh, in each of these countries, in Australia and New Zealand, they have had great economic revolutions where they reduced the size of government and cut taxes and so on. And back in the 80s, they originally did it, uh, a revolution that uh, we had with Reagan uh, back in the early 80s. Uh, the good thing about Australia and New Zealand, they haven't had the backsliding that we've had here with you know, Clinton and Obama <laughs> and so on. Uh, and so you're saying get a chance, go to Australia, drive around New Zealand. Any chance we will see you making a cameo in an upcoming The Hobbit movie? Since they filmed those in New Zealand. Will you know, we see Fred were, Barnes? We did see some of the places in the North Island of New Zealand where a little of the uh, Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. was uh, filmed, but uh, just mainly in the South Island, and, and we didn't get there. But we, uh, I love New Zealand. It's like uh, America in the 1950s, which I liked. <laughs> put as only Fred Barnes can put it. Fred Barnes, thanks so much for joining us with, for this podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.